Uh, yeah, God bless you guys. I'm glad everybody's here today. If you're watching online streaming, we're so blessed. We're, you're streaming. Blessed to have all of you guys with us today. Hey, um, you guys, the, the building's still rolling. They've taken a break from some of the heat, but some of the interior stuff they've been kind of working on, waiting on. You know, this is our growing into our future project, waiting on the fire company to do sprinkler systems and then pass the fire marshal test and stuff like that. So it's still rolling. Keep praying for us, all right? Hey, we are still we are still fundraising. We haven't re- reached the $25,000 goal yet. That's a, that was right at 10% of the cost. You know, we were uh, at the beginning of this project, we asked if, you know, the equivalent of 100 families could give over six, seven months, $250, um, break it up 50s, 30s, it doesn't matter, Basically, whatever God lays on your heart to give, it'd be awesome uh, to help us reach that fundraising goal so that we can, all that money is going to uh, furnish and equip and paint and decor and all that kind of stuff. So you can still give online for that uh, above your tithes and offerings if you would uh, to help us get that goal. Amen? All right. And we're going we're to have a big celebration when this thing's complete. And it's going to be awesome. You may say, well, what's going to go over here? What's going to go? Man, we're, we're going to have classrooms and meeting spaces. And, and the kids are going to have, like, that's the students and the youth. And the, the college ministry is going to have incredible spacing. It's going to be good. We have a really cool coffee bar. It's going to be right out there, you know. He said bar in church. No, it's a coffee bar, so it's okay. All right, but it's all right. Hey, let's get to the Word of God this morning. Uh, we're going to take communion at the end. So I want to be uh, as brief as, brief as I can, if you know me, all right? Uh, but man, it's good to see you. Man, it's a full house today, man. Give yourself a high five. Give yourself a high five for being here, for getting up today in the early. We only have one service right now, but it is the early service. And you know what? The most popular service of churches that have multiple services, the most popular in America is the early service. How many knew that? Five of you? Okay, well, now you know. And like G.I. Joe said, knowing is half the battle, all right? And I just realized something. I don't have my coffee, so hold on. I know, right? That's, whoo, well, I need that. Yeah, this, this, there we are. Ah, yay. And now that's, that's a sign for everybody to take a sip right now. All right, we're in our series, The Power of a Godly Vision. We're unpacking our boy Nehemiah out of the Old Testament, Okay. Last week, I started a kind of a two-week message that I'm calling The Waiting Game. And the waiting game is that time in a believer's life between where God has placed a vision or visions in your heart for your family, for your marriage, for your kids, for your job, for a new career, for a ministry, for community outreach, to be a light. I mean, the, the visions that God places on our hearts are intimate, they're individual, and, you know, for missions or overseas or for here or to do all, you know, the vision for the church, okay? Vision for an unsafe family member, a burden in your heart. The waiting game is that time when God puts vision in here or that burden and he burdens us. And we've learned from Nehemiah when he learned the condition of his of people back in Jerusalem and, and the condition of the city when it had no walls. It wrecked his heart. It broke his heart. He was a torn man. He wept and he mourned constantly. He prayed and fasted to God. So the waiting game is that time when God puts something in our heart to the how, when God moves, when God opens the door, you know, when, when God begins to push us and, and we get to see things happening, okay? You know, you've been praying for something or praying for someone 
and, and it's in your heart, but you don't really know the how. How's it going to happen? How's it going to work out? How are they going to become a believer? How will I get the resources? How will I get that position of favor? How will I get the influence? How's my marriage going to work out? All those kinds of things. It's the how, the how, the how. And I talked last week. We are, that's not our specialty. The how is not our specialty. Whose specialty is the how? God's. That, that, that's what he does best, right? Okay? But that difficult space between the what and the how is the waiting. And, and, and the waiting time for a believer can be tough. It can be difficult. It can be like you're walking through a, a dry desert, okay? And like I said, that's what we, we want everything now, right? We live in an instant gratification society. Go to Burger King, you can have it your way, <laughs> however you want it. Whatever you want at Chick-fil-A, it's their pleasure, okay, uh, right? Speaking of Chick-fil-A, I was at Chick-fil-A on a Friday, headed to the men's bonfire on Friday night, okay? Um, I was running a little late. You know, James, is, he beat me there. I was hoping to beat him there, but that's okay. And of course, they had the two lanes, right? Well, I got behind this one white vehicle that just sat there in the drive-thru and waiting, and they were, because they were waiting, it caused me to wait. And everybody else, the other drive through they, they were grooving, man. They were rolling. And I said, why do I always get stuck behind the slow people, you know? If that was you, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, you know, I, I don't know. There was no Oso Creek sticker, so I felt okay. But honestly, literally, as I'm driving off, it was like three or five minutes. I mean, it really wasn't that long of a time. But man, I was ready to go, man. I was ready to get my Chick-fil-A and munch on those fries and that spicy sandwich and the, I'm hungry. Anybody else right now? Yeah? Uh, but just waiting three minutes behind this white car, I was like, come on, let's go honk, honk. I didn't honk. Yeah, it would be pretty rude, okay? But that's all of us today, right? We do not like to wait for anyone or for anything. We don't like to wait because waiting tries our patience Waiting makes us a grumpless. Waiting can frustrate us. And I know that's not a real animal, but play with me. It's okay. But when it comes to godly vision, what God has put on our hearts, often we might feel like our days, weeks, months, and even years of waiting for God to move, for him to work it out, for him to open the door, provide what's needed. Like I said last week in this introduction of the waiting game, it can feel like it's wasted time. Lord, this is, we're wasting time here, Lord. We're wasting time. But remember like we said last week, waiting time is never wasted time when it comes to God and his work, right? Because waiting times are trusting times, character building times, times of preparation, times of development, a time for us to grow. Maybe God needs to get some things out of our lives that are hindering us. I've been there. Where some things, walls that I built up before I could progress, especially in ministry, God had to like destroy those walls, had to deal with certain things, okay? But waiting times are times when God develops us and prepares us, okay? And so our boy Nehemiah found himself in such a waiting time and, and you know, in the waiting game, we're, we're talking about five actions that we can learn from this Old Testament character, Nehemiah, while we're in a waiting period. And last week we talked about we, we must, you know, and these are on your Creek notes, just I'm going to state them for review. We must feel the need, that's verse four, we, you got to feel it, right? You got to feel it to heal it. 
We must realize that whatever God places on our heart, it's, it's too big for us, but it's not too big for our God. Praise the Lord. I love that last song. We say, everything's going to be all right. Man, that somebody needs to hear that in your life or in your situation or whatever you're going through. Listen, it's going to be okay. Why? Because you're a child of God and he loves you and he's got you in his hands and it's not too big for God. Praise the Lord. Number three that we talked about, we must develop our dependence on God. That's verses four through six. That's where this, this waiting time is where we really learn to depend on God, to trust in him. As the, as the proverb says, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. He'll direct your steps, right? So I want to continue this morning where we left off last week. Point number four, okay? This is going to be the, the, the bulk of the message today. The, the fourth action that we learned from Nehemiah in our waiting period, and this is a very, very important, we must develop our prayer. We must develop our prayer, okay? We see this in chapter one, verses five through 11. And in this great prayer that Nehemiah prayed in his waiting and his developing and his preparation time. So let's read it, Nehemiah chapter one, verses four through 11. If you got, a, if you got your Bible with you, a Bible on the screen, it'll also be on the screens too, so. Nehemiah said, as soon as I heard these words, and again, he's talking about the condition of, uh, of his uh, national city, Jerusalem, and the people there, the walls are down, the gates were burned down, it was horrible, okay? Because I sat down and wept and mourned for days, I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now, now let's, let's really look at his prayer, we're going to take it apart here in a little bit. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we, everyone say we, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you. We've not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there, I will gather them and bring them to the place that I've chosen to make my name dwell there. They're your servants and your people whom you've redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success, everyone say success, to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, he's talking about the king, the king who he serves, he's the cupbearer, number two guy in the, in the land, okay? Grant him mercy in the sight of this man, now his cupbearer to the king. Whoa, what a prayer, man. What a prayer. And we can learn a lot. Guys, this is just one of many prayers that Nehemiah prayed all throughout his book in the Old Testament. And one thing that I like about our character, Nehemiah, he was always about prayer, he was always about prayer. Nehemiah was a praying man. Nehemiah was a praying man. And man, how the church needs men who will pray today, right? 
thank you for whoever I, uh, uh, agreed with me right there. All the men are like, yes, or oh my, or oh me. I don't know. You know, The church needs men who will pray, men who knew, know how to pray, men who are dependent on God and they're seeking him and praying to him. We need women who pray as well, just as much. But you know what I've seen in my decades of ministry? Women don't need to be urged to pray. They've got it, the majority of them have it down, men. But guys, prayer is lacking in a lot of men's lives. And we need men who know how to depend upon God and how to pray. Yes? Yeah. That's good. That's good preaching, Greg, right there. Okay, never mind. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you remember that old joke I said? That's right. This prayer of Nehemiah was seven verses long, okay? But, but many times, I love this, throughout the book, we see ne- Nehemiah pray just a simple sentence of a prayer. If you go to Nehemiah chapter five, verse 19, it'll be on the screen. Look what it is. He says, remember me, my God, for good, according to all that I've done for this people. Nehemiah, the next chapter, Nehemiah 6, 9, he says, now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Dude, I totally love this aspect of Nehemiah. You know, first we see this long prayer, seven, you know, it's deep, it's in depth, like seven verses long, and it's awesome, but then throughout the rest of the book, not only does he pray long prayers, but he, he, he prays, you know, like sentences to God and statements, you know, in, in the moment, in what was going on, he just prayed, God, help me, God, remember me, God, give me strength, thank you, God. You know, sometimes, and I talked about this, and in, 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 I did a series, Dinah's uh, thy kingdom come at the beginning of the year and we talked a couple weeks about prayer. Prayer doesn't have to be like, oh, thou heavenly father, I beseech thee to come. And then, no, I mean, that's okay if you pray like that, okay? God doesn't need professional prayer warriors. He just wants prayer from your heart, right where you are, inquiring of him, saying, God, help me. God, you see what I'm going through. You, you, you see me, Lord. That's why the Apostle Paul encourages us to pray all the time in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. In verse 6 of our text, we see that Nehemiah prayed day and night, day and night. Guys, that's how we have to be. In the course of your day, while you're driving to work, picking up the kids, while you're in the shower, you know, while you're laying in bed and you can't fall asleep, while you're waiting for your coffee to brew, all kinds of times in life, pray. Pray, 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 pray more. I can guarantee you, you can tell me how much you pray and I can guarantee you it's not enough. I'm preaching to me too. Greg, how much you say you pray, it's not enough, all right? (laughs) Pray, God, I thank you. God, help me today. God, be with my wife and kids. God, I need you. God, strengthen me as I go into work. God, you know what I'm facing. God, let me be your light today. God, remember me. God, give me your favor. God, give me your blessing. I love you, God. Thank you for being so good to me, Lord. Pray. When you're about to make a purchase, pray. My, my daughter, Kyler, she just bought, uh, uh, she purchased her first new car, okay? Um, but before we went out looking for cars, me and her sat in her old junkie car, <laughs> and we prayed. God, give us favor. Lead us. Direct us. Pray. Pray. 
I know I said, I mentioned the Thy Kingdom Come series, and I, and I know that I did this one when I was in that message, those two messages on prayer, but I have to repeat it again because it's so true, it's so good, it's so profound, it's so foundational. In the words of our old friend from the 90s, MC Hammer, you've got to pray just to make it today, right? Dude, you guys want me to sing it? You've got to pray, 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 right? All right. You've got to pray. I, just, I love any opportunity I get to sing Hammer, okay? Too legit, too legit. Uh, the Hammer was preaching in that song even before he became a preacher. How many know he's a preacher now, a pastor? He is, yeah. That's so true. You do literally have to pray just to make it today. Why? Because we're dependent upon the Lord. We're inquiring of God, and the truth is, people with a God-given vision or a God-given burden in their heart will be a praying people. And all the time. You'll be praying all the time. Why? Because why? Well, like we discussed last week that the vision, the burden from God, whatever it is, it's beyond your capabilities. It's beyond our capabilities. We cannot do it. We cannot accomplish it on our own. And we need God to intervene. We need God to step in. We need God to do what he does best, to, to do the miraculous, right? And here in our text, we see Nehemiah praying during the waiting period of his vision. He's praying. He knows what he's, he's burdened. He knows what he needs to do, what God's calling him to do, but he can't go do it yet. He's not free to go back to Jerusalem yet. There's going to be a time, a period there, okay? And, he, and, and you can see in his prayer develop from probably him praying in the beginning, you know, Lord, what can be done? How can they be saved? How can the city be built up? You know, can I, can I do it? Can, can, can you use me? That's probably how he prayed at the beginning, but then finally, after four months of praying and seeking God, now all of a sudden, Nehemiah is probably praying, God, make the way. I will go. Lord, help me. Be with me. Give me success. Perhaps Nehemiah started off four months earlier when he heard the horrible news of the condition of Jerusalem and his, his people. He started petitioning that the, that the Lord himself would intervene, that he would help them down in Jerusalem. Maybe when he first heard it, he said, Lord, you got to do something. Lord, they need your help. God, intervene. Help them. Save your people. But then during the four months as he's praying, and when while in prayer, his concern was developing, then God laid it on his heart, hey, you go help them. You go do it. You see, God can develop us and the entire situation, even while we are praying. He can develop us, develop the situation while we're praying to the Lord. And many times it's, it's during the waiting period that God chooses to do just that. You see, it's in those moments of, of waiting in your life, the desert times in your life, those, those dry seasons, those times where, where you say, I'm not sure about tomorrow's seasons, or those, those times when you say, you know, I, I need you now, Lord, times in our lives. That's when you and I need to be praying the most. That's when we need to be seeking God the most. Because it's in those times God develops you. He, he moves you. God changes you, changes your heart. It's in those times God challenges you. He, he gives you new perspective on things. 
It's during those times that he's, he's preparing for you, you know, what he's got planned for you. He's preparing your heart for what he has down the road. And it's those times when, when he allows our faith to be stretched. And it may be tough, maybe frustrating, frustrating, very hard to wait. Like I said, there, there, there could even be some pain, but our call is to pray, 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 pray. And if you're in a season here today or watching online, you're in a season of waiting, waiting. Now is the time to pray night and day like Nehemiah, like Nehemiah did. And actually his prayer in our text, it's, it's a great prayer guide that we can utilize while in a waiting season because we see four elements of prayer based on Nehemiah's prayer that's, that's, that's kind of crucial for the waiting game period. So this is, Nehemiah gives us this prayer, these seven verses, gives us a nice prayer guide that we can follow. Well, Greg, Greg I, I don't know how to pray. I, I'm, I'm not comfortable praying. I don't really know what. Here's a good guide for you. Four steps, four elements. And there's quite a few prayers in the Bible that we can learn from like this. First, Nehemiah's prayer is a prayer based on who God is. Who God is. We see this in verse 5. Where he prays, and I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Well, what does Nehemiah start his prayer off with? He starts it off with the right perspective. He begins his prayer by praising God. Nehemiah said four things about God. He addresses God's position when he calls him great. He addresses God's power says, God, you are awesome, okay? He, he, he addressed God's promise because he says, God, you keep your covenant. And then he addresses God's patience. He says, your steadfast love. Addresses four things about God. So many times we're so guilty of when we pray, we, we want to just, you know, jump right into the need in our lives. Just jump right in there. God, you got to do this. God, here, here's the need. I need your help right now. You know, we sing the old Beatles song, help, I need you, Lord, help. Not just anybody, right? Help. You know, it's like, God, here's my need. I'm gonna go right there first. I know I haven't prayed to you in like, oh, since last week, seven months, two months ago, but here's my need, God, right? <laughs> and we begin our prayers with needs and supplications for help when we actually, we should start by praising God. And not even for what God's done, but simply for who God is, just like Nehemiah. Nehemiah's like, dude, God, you're, you're great. You, you are awesome. You remember your covenant. You, 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 you treat us with steadfast love and mercy and patience. And we get guilty of that too. It's like, Lord, I thank you for what you've done, which is good and we should. But even more importantly, we, we just simply praise God for who he is, uh, if we look at Jesus' model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, the Lord's Prayer, how does Jesus start? In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's a prayer that Jesus was using as an example to teach the disciples how to pray. Because there's like, how do we pray? How do we pray, Jesus? And so he gives them the model prayer, and he starts off with praise to God. 
It's a great first step. Start your prayers with praise to God. And it's never about what we can give to God. It's never about what we can do for God. It's all simply because of who God is and then followed by what he's done, praise the Lord. We, 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 we base our prayers, we start off on who God is. Secondly, we have to confess our sins. Whew, it's a tough one. Let's just skip over that one, all right? We'll be doing the tag. We're going to skip all those slides. Just kidding. We can't. We want to, though, right? Don't say sin. No, yes, sin. We got to confess our sins. We see this in verse 6. So many times we want to play the blame game, all right, and accuse others and pass the responsibility. This is happening because of what they did. I'm leaving my family because of what she did. This is all a mess because of what he did. Things aren't working out because of their imperfections. I'm this way because of my parents. I'm a victim of circumstance, if you, you know. Three Stooges, yeah, anybody? <laughs> if I had a better situation, if I grew up better, if I had more money, them, they, them, it's all them. Nehemiah didn't do that, although he could have. Nehemiah wasn't around when the Israelites committed idolatry against the Lord, when they rebelled against God and rejected God, and that caused them to be overtaken by the foreign people, the Babylonians, and, and, and they were captured, and the city was burnt down, and they were led into captivity. Nehemiah wasn't there. He wasn't even born yet, gang. He wasn't even born when the city of Jerusalem was conquered and captured and, and, and burned and destroyed. He could have said it was because of their sin. They are in that condition right now. Their walls are down. The gates are still burned. It's all because of their sin, not mine. But what do we see Nehemiah do? He, he says, I, I'm, actually, he's like, I'm part of the problem. That's what we see in Nehemiah's prayer. We have a hard time seeing that because we be, we've really become so individualistic in our society and we only think that we're, I'm, I'm only responsible for me. And spiritually, guys, that's not really true. How many times have you heard the phrase, you know, I, I just got to do what's best for me. I just got to do what's best for me. Do we think God likes that attitude in that phrase? Not at all. People try to justify all kinds of sin with that phrase. They'll reject a friend. Maybe they'll leave a family. They'll, they'll do all kinds of damaging things. Maybe they'll abandon their God-given vision because they're going to do what's best for them. Jesus said when he was on this earth walking, he said, if you want to find your life, don't hold it, don't protect it, don't keep No, he said, lose it. Lose it for me. And, and those who see God fulfill their vision... You know, they don't pass the buck. They don't play the victim card. They don't accuse. They don't make excuses why this or that didn't happen. They, they don't say, it's somebody else's fault. No, they, they can take responsibility. Sometimes even accept the blame, okay? Nehemiah recognized he may not have caused this problem directly, but because he gave no attention to the situation, he had done nothing to keep it from happening. So verse six and seven, he prayed, we have sinned. We have acted corruptly. Why did he say that? Because he knew that all sin, all sin, even the sin of failing to do what you know you should do is ultimately a sin against God. A sin of omission 
where you omit, you're not doing what you know you need to do, that's just as much of a sin as committing, a sin of commission, where you're committing that, right? James talks about that in in, in his book in the New Testament. He talks about the the sins of omission, James 4.17. But but why, why is Nehemiah praying like that? Why is like, you know, we have done we, we, I, because he's, he's accepting responsibility and confessing and asking for forgiveness and mercy because everyone is a sinner and we sin by what we do and what we don't do. So yeah, it's, it's a good reminder to check ourselves this morning when we look at Nehemiah. When was the last time? Okay, now, we're about to celebrate Independence Day, right? Yay, 4th of July, woo Big plans? No? Yeah, yeah, oh, that's right. Yay, that's right. They're having a good time. Big fireworks, right, Nathan? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, we got the fireworks. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you confessed your part in the sins of our nation? Oh, I didn't do no sin, Greg. We're all here. We're all apart, right? Maybe the sins of your family. Sins of your city. When's the last time you confessed sins that you've committed against a holy God or, or failed to do the good that you know that you should have? You guys see where I'm going with all that? Nehemiah wasn't even there, wasn't even born, but he's like, he, he took responsibility, he took a part and said, Lord, forgive us. We have sinned against you. We have sinned against you. When's the last time you've said, Lord, forgive us, forgive us, Lord, for the way our nation is just abortions running rampant? Forgive us for that, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for, for how many unbiblical alternate lifestyles are just running all over God and then it doesn't please you. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, how we've gotten so prideful in our nation. We've gotten so arrogant. Forgive us, Lord, how we as a nation have turned from you, rejected your word. You haven't rejected God's word, but as a nation, the rejection of God's word is rampant. Have you confessed that? Have you asked for forgiveness for that? Even for our nation. Because we see that here, and it's a good guide. Thirdly, we must claim God's promises in our prayers as I keep rolling. I like this one. This one's better than talking about sin, okay? (laughs) Oh, you guys are quiet now after all that. Whoa, you know? And we see that in verses 8 and 9. Nehemiah is mentioning to God that God's kept the first part of his promise that if the children of Israel were unfaithful, he would scatter them. That's exactly what happened. That's why they were in captivity. But now, Nehemiah is also praying and requesting that God fulfills the last part of the promise that that if his people would repent and turn back to God, then he would bring them back. That's what Nehemiah is holding on to. That's what he's claiming. God's promise. That, Lord, if, if, we, if we will repent and turn back to you, you said you'll bring us all back, Lord. Listen, when we claim God's promises and when we bring them up in prayer, we're not reminding God of what he said like, like God's forgot. Hey, God, remember you said this. I, I think you've forgotten. No, no, no. When we do this, we're showing God that we know his promises. We've read them, we've studied them, we know them. And prayer is taking God at his word. It's asking God to do what he's already promised to do. Now my girls, Tegan and Kalea, man, they will remember every promise that me and Megan make to them. You said we were gonna get ice cream. 
You said we'd get $5 if we did this. You said we would go to the store. You said we'd go to Disneyland. You said, I mean, oh boy, you know? I mean, they don't forget. Any other parent or grandparent know what I mean? Dude, if you even, I I didn't mean that, but you said it, you know what I mean? (laughs) I was just trying to get you to be quiet, you know? (laughs) That doesn't matter the reason. They will let us know that they remember. Listen, there are so many promises in the Bible from God for all of us. We need to claim them all. According to BibleInfo.com, there are 3,573 promises from God in the Bible. I saw another place where there's over 7,000, okay? (laughs) There's a lot of promises for us. There's a story of a man who died and went to heaven, and and when he arrived into heaven, he saw row after row of, of warehouses with his name on them. And he asked, what are all these warehouses? And the Lord said, these are all gifts and blessings in there. The man asked to see them, so the Lord took him inside one of the warehouses, and there's everything he could imagine, physical blessings, spiritual blessings, relationship blessings, on and on and on, and everyone had a tag on it. And the man walked over and read several of the tags, and every tag said the same thing, never asked for, (laughs) never asked for. And so he missed out on all those blessings because he never asked and never claimed them. Listen to what one minister said. He, he, he wrote and said, God never shuts his storehouse until you shut your mouth. <laughs> and the minister wasn't referring to us yapping when we're, you know, yapping and when we're quiet, then God blesses us with favor. You know, we, again, with our kids, we'll do that sometimes for our kids, right? Now, if you'll just be quiet, if you'll just sit there for a little while, I'm going to give you a surprise. How many car rides have you said something like that? If you'll just hold on and be quiet, all right? No. That's not what that minister's talking about. No, it's referring to us not getting favor because we're not asking for it from the Lord. You got to study God's word. You got to know his promises. And then you've got to claim them. Can you shout amen by agreeing to that? Anybody? Amen? Look, Nehemiah's confidence was drawn from scripture itself. He could claim these promises because he knew them. The promises he names were found in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 33, and Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 4. And so Nehemiah not only bases his prayer on knowing who God is, but also knowing what God has said. Not just only who he is, but what God has said. Gang, you can have a strong prayer life by knowing the promises of God And the waiting time is a great time to learn them and then claim the promises of God. Please understand, I'm not up here promoting the the prosperity gospel. You know, and and I know growing up in the church, I mean, there was a whole movement where it's like, it was called name it and claim it. It's like whatever, you know, I'm just gonna claim that. Whatever it is, I'm gonna, it's basically a wish. It's like God's a genie, whatever I wish. I'm claiming that and I'm gonna have my new car. And that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm talking about, Okay. That's, that's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about claiming the promises. No, I'm talking about the promises that God has given us in his word and we believe in them and allowing God to bring hope in our hearts from them and claiming them for our lives and standing on the promises of God. Because they're ours, praise the Lord. They're ours. It's not just a wish, okay? It's truth of God's word. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19 says, God's not a man that he might lie or a son of man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? 
There's a question mark there. Because God, God, when he promises, he will fulfill those promises in our lives. We've got to know them and claim them. There's an old hymn that I used to sing growing up that kind of echoes in my mind that is preparing for this message. It goes, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior, standing, standing. We had this worship leader, he was a precious old man. He would hold that out forever. Standing, standing on the promises of God. Anybody else sing that hymn growing up? A few of you? Oh, good. Yeah. I love the second verse of that old hymn. It says, standing on the promises that cannot fail, when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God, I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Praise God. And the fourth and final aspect of our prayer during the waiting game is that we must be specific in our request. We see this in verses 10 and 11. Nehemiah was specific in that he requested, number one, an opportunity to be able to go in front of the king, tell his story, explain the situation, and then request that he be able to leave to go to Jerusalem with favor. He was specific in requesting that he have, number two, favor or mercy from the king. Opportunity and favor. That's some good praying right there. God, give me opportunity. Give me favor. You know, our tendency is to pray for miracles. But often, it might be more appropriate to pray for opportunities. Because if we pray for an opportunity, we'll more easily recognize it when that opportunity comes along. Nehemiah never prays for God to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, you know. He prays for the opportunity for him to go and do it himself. So we learn, be specific in your prayer. Ask God to open doors, grant you access, give you an in, give you opportunities, and then pray for favor with people, with authority, with your boss, with those who, you know, are over you maybe, or favor with family members, with others in the world or around you or in church or wherever that can help you with what God's placed on your heart. And it's okay to pray for success. We see that in Nehemiah. Lord, grant me success, okay? It's okay to pray for success because it's not about you. It's about God's vision, okay? We're not talking about praying for success for you personally, for your own personal benefit. No, it's success for the will of God, success for God's plan in your life, success for your family's life, for your kids, your grandkids, your job, your church, whatever, okay? Nehemiah needed the king to release him to be able to go to travel to Jerusalem and also give him the authority and the resources that he's going to need and all that's going to come straight from the king. Nehemiah knew that he needed this, so he prayed specifically for it. Jake and the group, if you want to come up, that'd be great. So, so we need to pray for God to give us favor with those people who have the power, the resources, maybe the, the influence to, to make our vision happen that can help, Okay. Let's go through a couple scenarios before I close and we take communion. Maybe you have a vision to raise godly children. Pray for opportunities to speak into their lives. Show them to build character and trust. Use life moments and experiences as teaching moments. Pray for favor that they will accept that, right? Maybe you have a vision for a family member, a friend who, who doesn't, maybe they don't know Christ. Maybe you've got a wayward son or daughter or they're older 
or a parent, you know? Don't, don't just pray that, Lord, help them to, to get saved and come to know, you know? Pray, pray that you'd have opportunities to speak into their lives. Pray for favor that they'd accept it. Maybe, maybe you have a vision to start a business. Pray, pray for opportunities to make the right choices, to gain resources, proper you know, filings, the, the, the right connections, you know, and then, and then pray for favor with all those that can help that happen. Maybe your vision is to start a ministry. Pray for open doors. Pray for help. Pray for wisdom. Pray for favor that people will come and help. Maybe you have a vision over your marriage. You're married here. Pray for opportunities to show love, mercy, forgiveness, and for counsel. And pray for God's marriage or favor over your marriage. I hope you can see that. No matter, no matter what the God-given vision or visions are, bathe them in prayer and be specific. And pray bold prayers of faith. Remember Megan teaching, teaching on that years ago. I'll never forget the lesson, she said. It's like, expect big things from God. I preached about that at the beginning of the year. Pray big prayers of faith to God. And lastly, as I finish, the fifth thing we must do or the action that we have to do during our waiting is is we must develop our plan. We must develop our plan. So we talked about prayer. We must develop our plan. That's verse 11. You know, Nehemiah, he wasn't just sitting around playing, you know, here's the the church and, and, you know, or here's how you do it. Here's the church, here's the steeple, open it up and here's all the people, right? You know, while he's waiting, wasn't twiddling his thumbs or wasn't playing wordscapes. He didn't have a cell phone, but if, if he did, he wouldn't be playing wordscapes at the time or games like that, no. He was feeling the need. He was realizing it's going to take God. He's depending on God, praying, and he's developing a plan. Imagine if Nehemiah hadn't thought it all, all out before he went to the king of Persia. And the king said, Nehemiah, what's wrong? Why, why do you look so sad? And, and, and we'll see later that the king asked that. What if Nehemiah's like, well, my people are in danger, and the king's like, well, what do you want to do, Nehemiah? Uh, kingy, uh, I don't know, uh, not sure, something. I, I, I'll get back to you soon, king, okay? No, no, no. When the king asked, Nehemiah was ready to lay it all out before the king. PowerPoint, spreadsheets, graphs, video clips, comparisons, marker boards, you name it, right? He was ready. He had a plan. He was ready. He had a plan. Do you have a plan for that godly mate you're looking for? Have you already set up limitations, rules, no sex before marriage? You're going to have devotions. You're going to be praying together. Do you have a plan for your marriage? Date nights. Serve your spouse. Speak their love language. Fill their, their need tank. Maybe you need counseling. Maybe you need to sacrifice. Do you have a plan for a new career? Research, maybe more education, more experience. What's that going to impact your family? Do you have a plan for your kids? They're going to be in church. They're going to be in Oso kids. They're going to be in Oso students. Uh, We're going to pray together. We're going to give them a Bible. We're going to watch Christian videos, stuff like that. Do you have a plan for your ministry? You're going to pray, you're going to study, education, resources, finance. Do you have plans for a missional outreach, travel, insurance, connections, finances, your impact? Do you have a plan for what God's putting in your heart? Do you have a plan or do you think it'll just happen, okay? The waiting time can be tough if we let it, but it won't be if we have the right perspective. Be faithful right where God has you. Wait on God. 
get close to God. Let him mature you and the vision in you. Depend upon God and faithfully serve God and do what you can where he has you at the moment. I put a quote in our Crete notes. Theodore Roosevelt said, do what you can with what you have, where you are, and God will do the rest. I love that. I love that. Because God's in control. He's sovereign. We trust in him. He loves us so much. He wants us just to get close to him, to depend on him, to follow him, to hear his voice and say yes. The beauty is there's nothing that you and I can do that would make God love us less. And the cross is the visible symbol of his enormous love for us. And man, he's got a plan for you. He has a plan for your kids. He has a plan for your marriage. And man, he's just drawing you. He just wants you to get close to him. And prayer is a great avenue of that. We're going to take communion. And I invite you, let this be more than just traditional come to the aisle and grab a juice and wafer. And if you're going to serve this morning, if you'd come take your place. No, man, while you're standing there, pray. Talk to God. Well, Greg, there's somebody in front of me, behind me. They're going to think I'm a weirdo. You're not a weirdo. (laughs) This is a house of prayer. Pray. Even if it's silent prayer to the Lord. When you get back to your seat, think about what Christ has done for us. We don't do this just because it's a spiritual exercise that we have to know. This is, what, this is the greatest show of love that the world has ever seen. Christ gave his body for us. He shed his blood for us. Let's think about that. Rejoice in that fact. Let's remember what he did and thank him. The apostle Paul says before someone does this, to examine themselves. He writes this in, to the, in his letter to the Corinthians. To examine themselves. Maybe you need to confess, right? The Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of what I've done. I've been living for me, God. I've been doing my own thing. Lord, I give you my life. Paul says if you confess Jesus with your mouth that he's Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Stop playing church. Get real with the Lord. Build that relationship. Man, he loves us so much. His grace is so amazing. We can never be worthy enough that's why Jesus came because he was worthy and he gave his life hallelujah I invite you come to the aisles pastor Jonathan will lead us in the scripture when everybody has their elements and you come get it and take it back to your seat that'd be great thank you guys praise the Lord and pray think about Jesus when you get back to your seat think about the the high price that was paid for yours and my salvation. 